Thank you for that great inspirational. Well, with your Bible open, please, at Genesis chapter 22, we have a familiar story. I don't think that there'd be many people here that have not heard of or have read or are familiar with this story of Abraham and his son Isaac. Um, With a little bit of tongue-in-cheek, we can say that Abraham had himself a sacrifice Sunday here in Genesis chapter 22. And the story goes something like this that um, Abraham was about 116 years old, something like that, at this point. His son Isaac was born when he was 100. And so that means Isaac was about 16, strong, healthy, and his dad 116. His dad had to ride upon a donkey to get to where they were going because he was a man of advanced years. But Isaac was able to walk the journey along with the two young men because they were young and strong. So you have this aged man, and you have this young, young fellow, this teenager here. Now it says in verse 1, it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. And some people have a problem with that. They say, oh, look at that. God's going around tempting people. And it says in uh, James chapter 1 that God tempteth no man with evil. So how do you explain that? huh? Well, very simple. This wasn't evil. God doesn't tempt men with evil. God doesn't tempt men to commit evil. This was not evil. This was good. I'm sure the translators of the King James Bible 400 years ago, they were brilliant men, the greatest scholars uh, in the world at the time, and that they thought about this. Should we use the word test? Should we use the word tempt? They chose the word tempt because it is the better word. It's closer to the idea Say, well, what's the temptation? Abraham was tempted to run away. Abraham was tempted not to go through with this and not to do it. You know, anything that God calls you to do, there's always a temptation not to do it. And Abraham is no different. And so God said, take thy son, verse 2, thine only son, uh, whom thou lovest. God is really rubbing it in here. And get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I'll tell thee. And so... Uh, the four of them, uh, in verse 3, there's Abraham, his son, and two of the young men. Uh, they got all together early the next morning, and they made this journey from Beersheba. Uh, the mountain that they ended up on was uh, in Jerusalem, where the Temple Mount uh, was to come some years later. It's approximately 72 miles. Walking at three miles an hour, 10 hours a day, would mean that on the third day, they would have seen the place. And that's exactly what it says here in verse 4, that on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And um, Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad, that was 16-year-old Isaac, will go yonder, and what's that next word? Anybody tell me? Look at your Bible. You won't know by looking at me. What's the next word? Worship. Uh, Some of you weren't too sure what I'm asking. Very simple. I ask simple questions. Yeah, the next word is worship. Underline that word in your Bible, please. Now, if you don't have a Bible, if you have a phone, I don't know. Maybe you've got an app that you can highlight that word or underline it or something with your finger, right? But um, I like carrying a real Bible to church. Amen. It's a little more work, a little more effort, a little more cumbersome. But boy, I think it's a little more blessing. 
I can take the good old book and I can wave it. Hey, men. I don't want to wave a cell phone. Uh, I think they do that at rock concerts, don't they? Don't some of them wave their cell phones? Things like that. I want to wave a real Bible. Underline that word worship. That's the first time the word worship is mentioned in the Bible. Theologians tell us that oftentimes when a word is first used in the Bible, look at the context and you'll really get an understanding as to what the word means. And here we have it in the context of making a sacrificial gift to God. That's the idea of worship. Many today think that worship means to have a drum set and guitars wailing and arms waving, and they call that worship. Well, I, I, can you picture Abraham, 116 years of age, sitting behind a set of drums, then jumping up on an electric guitar, and then waving his arms? Can you picture that? Because I can't. I can't. And yet, Abraham worshipped God. Isn't that interesting? Interesting. And it was done in the, uh, in, in the, uh, the context of giving, sacrificial giving. Well, basically, listen to this. Earlier I mentioned that one thing that we have to learn as Christians is that proper biblical giving brings us into closer fellowship and walk with God and opens the windows of heaven. It's something we have to learn, and it's learned by faith. And in this story, if you can picture this, God asked Abraham to do this seemingly impossible thing, to take his only son and offer him up like a sacrifice on Mount Moriah. And Abraham went ahead with it. And when God saw that he was willing to do this, it's as if God said, you were willing to do that for me? Well, you just watch and see what I will do for you. And that's the secret to Christian giving. That's why I believe in giving the proper way, the biblical way. It brings us into closer fellowship with God, walk with God, and it certainly opens the windows of heaven. God is so pleased when we give sacrificially because he knows it hurts us to do it. He knows that it's done by faith. And when he sees our faith, that's when he sees, he says, you watch now and see what I will do for you. Let's have a word of prayer and we're going to get into this message today. Our Father, we ask for special wisdom and understanding that only you can give. And we ask the Holy Spirit to speak and teach every heart, mine too. Lord, lead us, please, to a higher plane, a higher plateau, a closer walk with you. Teach us things in the scriptures today. Help increase our faith and our love for you. In Jesus' name, we ask it. Amen. Now, sometimes, you know, in use of this word sacrifice, parents sometimes say that they they uh, sacrifice their time and sacrifice their energy for their kids. Sometimes you'll hear that, or maybe as a parent you might even said, said that. I sacrifice my time and my energy and my money. I've sacrificed it for my kids. Well, is that what sacrifice means? Giving something to another person. And the answer is yes, kind of, in a way. The word sacrifice, the English word sacrifice, means to make sacred to make sacred. That's the idea of the word sacrifice. And the idea here is giving something over completely to God. Because once it leaves our hands and enters God's hands, it becomes holy, it becomes sacred. It becomes something that we, we give to him. That is the idea of sacrifice. There's different types of sacrifice in the Bible. If you love to read the Bible, you'll come across them. Of course, one is the animal sacrifices. 
Another is what's called the sacrifice of thanksgiving. You'll find that in Psalm 116. Another one is found in Hebrews 13 called the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips. Folks, there's something we need to get in the habit of offering to God every day is thanksgiving and praise. And then, of course, there's the greatest sacrifice ever given, Christ's self-sacrifice, dying for you and for me on the cross, suffering what we owe in hell. He made the payment for us. And then, of course, there's the laying down of one's life for a friend. John chapter 15. This morning I read a story. It happened, I believe, in 1907. And I don't have all the details right. I don't even have the proper full name <coughs> of the man, but his first name was uh, Jesus. It's a Spanish guy. I forgot his last name. But in 1907, this long train full of dynamite uh, was in a town and caught fire. And what this man did was he boarded the, the train and he drove that train out of town and it exploded. He gave his life, but it saved a whole town full of people. And that's sort of the idea here in John 15. Greater love hath no man than this, that he give his life for his friend. He lay down his life for his friend. Now that's quite a sacrifice. Some call it the ultimate sacrifice. To make sacred... That's what the word means, to give over completely to God. Now listen, God has only ever, in all of earth's history, only ever once called upon one man to sacrifice his son. And in that case, even, God stopped him before the act was complete. Parents, aren't you glad that God doesn't call upon you to have to do what Abraham did? Aren't you glad can I get an amen on that from any, any parent? Yeah. Uh, me too. You know, your children, you love them, whether they're, they're knee high or whether they're shoulder high or whether you have to look up to your children now. You love them. They're your kids. And if God said to you, now take your son or take your daughter or both and offer them up, you'd say, no, oh, you know, you'd be beside yourself. I can't do it. I can't do it. God only called one man ever in earth's history to do it, and God stopped him before he did it. Praise the Lord. But God calls upon every one of us to make sacrificial giving to him, and he doesn't stop us. Say, why wouldn't he? Because it's a doorway that brings us into the fellowship and the riches of God, is what it is. Now, the purpose of today, Sacrifice Sunday, is to help God's work here in God's house. We need to hire on another staff member. And we've done this for a number of years uh, to help us with Pastor Tim's salary. We need to hire on another staff member so that we can manage the church better and grow it and minister to needs better. And so in order to help pay for a, a man's livelihood to live, part of that, we want to look to sacrifice Sunday. Then we have been having problems for years in our sound booth and media. If ever you've watched any of our live streaming, you'll know it's grainy and sometimes it freezes up and we have problems with that. We need to upgrade that. That's in serious need of repair. And that ministers to people. I'm sure there are people that have stopped watching because the quality is not very good. We, we need to correct that. And then also in the auditorium, we need more 
heating, air conditioning. And so you say, why do we need that? It'll help minister to people. When people sit, come and they sit and they're just sweating and the sweat's pouring down them, they're having to fan themselves, they can't focus on the preaching. They can't hear. And they can't respond either. So it's a bit for climate control, a bit for creature comforts, if you will. But it's all to minister to the glory of God. That's the purpose of today. That's why we have a sacrifice Sunday today. Now, I'd like to answer a principle, a question in general. And that is, why do we give to God in the first place? I mean, someone says, doesn't he have enough? Someone else says, but he has everything. Someone else says, God doesn't need anything. And so they all say, why should we give to God? Now, that is actually a legitimate question. Why should we give to God? Well, I'd like to answer that three ways. Number one, we give because we've received so much from God. Now turn, please, to about the middle of the Bible, to the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms, and go to Psalm 68. Psalm 68. The sound of rustling of pages in the Bible is, is like music. In my ears, I'm sure in God's ears. Psalm 68. If you uh, forgot to bring a Bible with you, there's one in the seat back in front of you, in the pew in front of you. You can just grab that. Or if your neighbor's not looking, take his. He won't know. <laughs> Psalm 68. And I'd like you to help me here by reading verse number 19. Psalm 68 and verse 19. You have that? Let's read it all together. Nice and loud, shall we? Blessed be the Lord, who daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation, Selah. Again, over in the book of James, you don't have to turn there, but James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. It's true that God daily gives us life and breath and a sound mind. He gives us all of these, these temporal blessings and spiritual blessings day after day after day. And if you ever doubt it, if you ever wonder, then I challenge you to go to God in prayer and say, God, I want you to cut off every blessing so that I can actually see what happens. God, I want you to turn off the tap of your grace and your blessing in my life. Turn it off, Lord. Only just keep me alive. Turn off every blessing. I want to see what happens. And I think you will find in a very short time, you'll lose your job. You'll lose your health. You'll start losing all of the wealth you had, friends you had. All you got to do is look at Job and see all what he lost. I don't think you'd want to pray that prayer. So why do we give to God? Number one, because we've received so much from God. When someone gives you so much, so much, it's only common courtesy that we should give something back. As parents, you train your children how to give gifts to their parents. Uh, if you're the wife, you say to your, your child, now, sweetie, it's daddy's uh, birthday uh, in a week. So let's do something and give daddy a gift on his birthday. Or maybe Christmas is coming, and you might say to your little Susie Q there, sweetie, it's uh, Christmas is coming. Let's get a gift together for mommy. Let's get a gift for mommy. What do you think she'd like? And then you work on that together. And that's how you teach and train the little ones to start giving. Otherwise, the little one grows up thinking that they... You know, the world revolves around them. 
that everyone should be giving to them. Give to me, give to me. Unfortunately, we have some people out on the streets who refuse to work for a living and they want everyone to give to them, give to them. That's for another sermon, but I think you get the idea. This is actually more, more of a, well, it's more than a common courtesy. Let's put it that way. To give back to God is more than a common courtesy. That leads us to point number two. We give because we have a biblical responsibility to do so. It says in the Bible. Now, take your Bible and turn to the New Testament, to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12. And we'll look at that. Luke chapter 12. Turn there, please. Luke chapter 12. Luke's an easy book to find. Matthew, Mark, Luke. What comes next? John. Okay. How many knew that? Raise your hand. That's about half. Luke chapter 12. And I'd like you to look at verse uh, 48. All right, go about halfway down the verse. And you see these words. For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required. And we'll, we'll stop there. There's a biblical principle there. We have a responsibility to, uh, before God. And you might say, now wait a minute, Pastor. I'm not a millionaire. I don't, I don't have money falling out of my pockets. You don't have to be a millionaire. You do know that not many people in this world have a nice clean home in which to live. Can I ask you this question? Do you have a nice clean home in which to live? Do you? You've got something that most people in the world don't have. Not many in this world have, have nice clean clothes to wear. Do you have nice clean clothes to wear, yes or no? Yes, you have. Much has been given. Not many in this world have nice healthy food to eat. Do you have nice healthy food to eat? Yes or no? Yes. Not many in this world have nice clean water to drink. Do you have nice clean water to drink? Yes or no? Yes. Not many in this world have a nice job to work at or any job. Do you have a job to work at? Yes. Not many in this world have good medical and dental services available. Do you have nice, good medical, dental services available? Yes or no? Yes. Well, some of us are grumbling. Not many in this world have a car to drive. Now, maybe not everyone here today has a car to drive, but how many here have a car to drive? Raise your hand. Oh, that's way over half. Wow, do you know that so many people in this world, they got to walk, they don't have a car, they don't, they don't have access to medical, proper medical dental, they don't have clean drinking water or nice food. They don't have good clothes or a job or a home, proper home to live in. You know what this means, folks? To, to whom much has been given. That's us. Much is required. Why do you think it is that God has blessed us here in Canada, material-wise? Why do you think, well, who knows, but I'm just going to feather my nest. That's not the reason why. God has blessed us so that we can use that for his glory. People that have a lot of talent and do nothing with it, don't you just make it wonder, what, what's going on? Why that man, that woman, they could sit down at a keyboard and they could just make that instrument talk. They could stand up and they could sing so that the birds shut up. 
The birds bow their head in shame, their voice is that great. And yet they do nothing with it, nothing with it. You'd say, what a waste. And yet look at us here in this country, we've been blessed with so much. What are we doing with it? We need to do something with it. We've got a responsibility, or we have a biblical responsibility before God to give. And number three, a third reason, and I want you to be careful with this, it's a genuine, bona fide reason as to why we give. But I want you to exercise caution because some people abuse this. Just keep that in mind. Do not abuse this number three here. We give so that God will give back to us. Now, turn to chapter six. You're in Luke? Good. Turn back to chapter six. Luke chapter six. Chapter 6 of Luke, and the words of Jesus. I want you to read verse 38 out loud. Okay, good and loud. Emphasis on the loud, would you please? Verse 38, Luke 6, 38. Read it out loud now. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, and shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet, with all it shall be measured to you again. Now look at a very important word here. Beginning of verse 38. Give and it... What's that next word? Shall. Why doesn't it say will? Give and it will be given to you. Because the concept of will is different than the concept of shall. Will speaks of desire. Shall speaks of obligation. That's why it says in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not, rather than thou wilt not. There's an obligation. It's like a law, a commandment. And what Jesus has said here in verse 38 is that if you give, it obligates God Almighty to give back to you. Folks, that is the God of the Bible. God is a, a giving God. And again, I want you to exercise caution on this. Do not think that, oh boy, uh, if I give God $100, he'll, he's forced to give me a million. That's not how it works, folks. Not how it works. That's what Benny Hinn will tell you. Don't buy into that. There is a genuine biblical principle that Jesus gave us. Give, and it shall be given unto you. And this is what many of us here today have found over the years of giving. We can afford to. You say, how can you afford to? Because God is the backer. That's how we can afford to. God Almighty says, if you will do this, then I will do this. That's why Abraham could afford to do what he did. And when God saw that Abraham was so willing to do that unbelievable act of sacrifice. I mean, if God called upon Abraham and said, oh, Abraham, Abraham, take now thy goat, the one you love, and come and offer the goat to me as a sacrifice. Do you think that would have been a, a big thing for Abraham? Hello? No, of course not. All right, then God says, all right then, take two sheep. Let's see if he can pass this test, eh, folks? Abraham, take two sheep, two of your favorite sheep. Take Winken and Blinken and bring them and offer them to me as a sacrifice. Do you think that Abraham would have had a problem with that one? Yes or no? No. So God didn't ask for goats and sheep. God asked for his son. 
and God rubbed it in, whom thou lovest. Whoa. Now this was something God had never asked of Abraham ever before. In the years that God had known Abraham and Abraham had known God, the two had walked together. God had never asked for anything like that. If you're new to Sacrifice Sunday, we're asking you to consider giving one week's paycheck to God as a sacrifice. Many years ago, when God laid this on our heart, my first thought, no one's going to do it. That was my first thought. And my second thought was, well, I better do it. At least there'll be one. But I thought, no, after me, I don't know if anyone else will do it. To my surprise, and we're going back 12 or 14 years, a lot of people in the church gave one week's salary over and above. Listen, they didn't take their tithe and give that plus. No, they didn't take their, their missions offering and give that plus. No, they were separate. They gave a week's pay. Someone told me that many of the churches in the Philippines, they give a month's pay on their sacrifice Sunday. We just give a week's pay. And year after year after year after year after year after year, we've called, we've done it. No one's ever gone broke. We've only seen the blessings of God, not just in the church, but in individual homes, families, and lives, because God is no man better. His promise is give and it shall be given to you. God obligates himself with shall be. Now, some people think that a tithe, well, that's enough. That's a sacrifice. A tithe, boy, you know, 10% of my income, that would be a sacrifice. I got news for you. Did you know that Abraham paid tithes? Yes, he did. All you got to do is read Genesis and read Hebrews. It's testimony time. Abraham paid tithes. Abraham not only gave God a tithe, you say, well, what's a tithe? A tithe is one-tenth of your income. So if you make $500 a week, a tithe would be $50. Now someone asks, well, is that, do I tithe before tax or do I tithe after tax? Well, you have to determine in your heart who your first creditor is. It? Who is your first creditor? Who do you owe the most to, the government of Canada or to God? And that should answer your question. But you see, it doesn't matter. You can afford to do it because God is the backer. Abraham tithed. We need to tithe. Abraham gave sacrifice. We need to give sacrifice. The Bible teaches us uh, by precept and by example what tithes, what these things are. Tithes are, if you will, like a foundation of a house. Offerings are like walls and doors and windows of the house. And a sacrifice is like a roof of a house. And if you want to have a complete structure, you've got to do all three. A tithe is 10% of your wealth or your income stream. Wealth used to be measured in the Bible in terms of farm animals and cattle and harvested crops. And so believers would take 10% of their harvested crops, their farm animals, their cattle, their eggs, and things like that, and would give that to God. In Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30, it says, And all the tithe of thine land whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. You see, the tithe belongs to God, folks. Today, wealth is measured in terms of dollars, at least in this country, and we give 10% of that as a tithe unto the Lord. 
Well, how do we give our tithes to God? And where do we bring our tithes to God? And again, God answers that for us. And I want you to see it. If you go back, please, to the book of Deuteronomy, that's the fifth book in the Old Testament. We started Genesis. Keep flipping the pages till you get to Deuteronomy. Chapter 12. Deuteronomy chapter 12. God answers the question for us. The Bible gives us the answer. Deuteronomy chapter 12. And I'll read it quickly if you will promise to listen quickly. And uh, I'll start at verse 5. Deuteronomy 12, verse 5. But unto the place which the Lord your God shall choose out of all your tribes, watch this, to put his name, to put his name there, even unto his habitation shall ye seek, and thither thou shalt come. So God says to the place where he puts his name, that's where you gather. And thither ye shall bring your burnt offerings, your sacrifice, and your tithes, and heave offerings of your hand, and your vows, and freewill offerings, and the firstlings of your herds and of your flocks. And there ye shall eat before the Lord your God, and ye shall rejoice in all that ye have put your hand unto, ye and your households, wherein the Lord thy God hath blessed thee. Verse 11, Then there shall be a place which the Lord your God shall choose to cause his name to dwell there. Thither shall ye bring all that I command you, your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, your heave offerings of your hand, and all the choice vows which ye vow unto the Lord. And so what we see here is the place where God's name is. That's the place where they were to assemble, and that's the place where the family was blessed, and that's the place where the tithe was brought. And in the New Testament, when Jesus said, I will build my church, we find that the church, the local church, is the place where we find God's name, we find God's people assembling. We find that the family is blessed there, and it's there that we bring the tithes. Don't send your tithes to Benny Hinn. Don't send your tithes. You bring your tithes to the local church, the place where you park your feet. May I ask you today, are you faithfully tithing your income to the Lord every week or every two weeks? Uh, or whenever it is you get your paycheck, do you faithfully bring your tithe to the Lord at church? Now someone says, well, pastor, what if I don't believe in tithing? What if I think it's only for the Old Testament people? What if I don't want to tithe? And the answer is very simple, my friend. It's up to you. It's absolutely up to you. The Christian life is lived by faith, not by sight. And the Bible makes that abundantly clear. And if by faith you will take God at his word, he will bless your step of faith and reward you accordingly. Listen to me. I have studied the subject of tithing for over 44 years. And I have practiced tithing for over 44 years. And the results of all that ye the years of study and putting God to the test is this. Two words. Tithing works. Tithing works. God has never failed me, never let me down. Listen, I've never gone hungry. I've always had my needs supplied. God brings it from various places and, and directions. Things that, that should normally not last as long, they last. I drive an old clunker of a car, but it lasts. Hey, don't laugh, it's paid for. Some of you got gorgeous cars, who owns them? I can point to my clunker out there. Paid in full, right? Like Jesus, he said, it is finished on the cross. Greek translators like to translate that as paid in full. 
my car. Paid in full. Amen. It still develops a bellyache now and again. Then God gives me the money to have it fixed. Praise God. God knows how to look after his own. Say, well, pastor, why aren't you a millionaire? I don't want to be a millionaire. You say, you don't? No, because if I had a million dollars sitting in the bank, I wouldn't need faith. My faith would come off my God and onto my money. And I'd stop praying. And I'd stop asking God for things. And I'd just buy it myself. I'm glad that I have needs in my life. They bring me closer to God and I get to see his miracles in my life. That's how I want to live this few short, you know, three score and ten on this earth. I want to walk with my God and I want to see his power in my life. That's what faith is all about, folks. I ask you, don't you want to do something great for God? Do you want to let your life slip by and do nothing great for God? Don't you want to see God's miracles in your life? Don't you want to see God's miracles in your church? Don't you want to have a story to tell about how God has blessed your faith? I got lots of stories I could tell you how God has honored my faith of giving. I could, I could spend an hour, two hours going through stories with you that God has done in my life. Now, an important note for those of you who haven't been here very long, maybe you're, you're sort of new to the idea of Christian giving. By listening to this sermon, you might get the idea that I'm begging for money. Now, if that were true, then that would make me a beggar, wouldn't it? Yes, be honest. If that were true, then I would be a beggar. But when was the last time you ever saw a beggar giving money? How many seen a beggar on the street? Raise your hand if you've seen a beggar on the street. Not enough hands going up, folks. You, you, you get in your car and you go to the stoplight, and who's standing there with a piece of cardboard? It's called a beggar. How many have seen one of those? Raise your hand. A few more hands now. You get the idea? These are beggars. When was the last time you saw a beggar run up to your window and say, please, let me give you some money. Can I give you some money? Please. How many has that ever happened to anyone here today? It's happened to you? Honest, a beggar offered you money? Oh, <laughs> oh, she took her hand back down. Oh, yeah, I would too. I have never, I've seen a lot of beggars. They call here at the church a lot. Oh, it's Friday. Oh, the check ran out. Oh, the baby needs milk. They don't even have a baby. They're looking for free money so they can go buy drugs and alcohol and things like that. Sorry, I get a little tiffed. I'm not angry. I'm just tiffed. How about that? Listen, by listening to this sermon, you might think that I'm a beggar. But a beggar doesn't give money. A beggar takes money. A beggar doesn't give money. A beggar takes money. Today, I'm first to give money. I sit there, and when it's time to give, the offering basket comes to me first, and I put first in. And today, I'm putting in my tithe. I'm putting in my faith promise for missions. And I'm putting in my sacrifice Sunday. Pastor, are you actually giving a whole week's salary? I'll be honest with you, and I, sh I shouldn't. My wife and I are just about giving two times this year. You say, oh, why would you ever want to do such a thing? Because we're learning to fly. We're learning to sprout wings of faith like never before. We've put God to the test. Tithing is nothing. We eat that for breakfast. 
Faith promise for missions? Ah, we've lived with that for years. We're still doing great. Sacrifice Sunday where we give a whole week's offering on top of tithes and, and faith promise? We've been doing it for years. So now we're taking another step of faith. The same God who looked after us and met all our needs abundantly when we were just tithing and giving faith promise and giving one week's salary, we're stepping out on faith this year. And I have no doubt whatsoever that God is going to be there to catch us and support us. Listen, I'm going to make you a guarantee in just a minute. No one falling asleep. I'm going to make every person here a guarantee on Sacrifice Sunday giving. Stay with me. We're almost done. When it comes to sacrificial giving, God actually considers it a normal, natural thing for us. It's nothing spectacular beyond belief. No, listen. Praying is a natural thing with God. In Matthew 6, 7, Jesus said, when ye pray. Fasting is a natural thing. Verse uh, 16 of the same, of same chapter, when ye fast. Reaping is a natural thing. Leviticus 19, when ye reap. Eating is a natural thing. Numbers 15, when ye eat. And sacrificial giving is a natural thing. When ye will offer a sacrifice, Leviticus 22. Sacrificial giving is no way out of the ordinary for God. It's considered normal. Now, some people are afraid to sacrifice. They call it blind stupidity. They say, well, remember Jephthah in the Old Testament. He made a sacrifice to God, and look, he lost his whole daughter over that. That was a whole fiasco. Jephthah's vash row, that's what we call it. Yeah, well, Jephthah didn't know what he was giving, whereas we know what we're giving. So it doesn't apply. Some people are just plain afraid they're going to go broke. Pastor, I can't give a whole week's salary. You know, I, I'm not sure I can make ends meet as it is. And if I gave a whole week's salary, I will go broke. Listen, God is no man's debtor. He, he made you the promise in Luke chapter 6. He makes you another promise in Proverbs 19, 17. He that hath pity upon the poor, listen, lendeth unto the Lord. Did you hear that word? Lendeth unto the Lord. And that which he hath given, he will pay him again. I am going to make you a guarantee based upon God's own promises. Abraham tithed and gave offerings and made sacrifices, including his greatest sacrifice, his son Isaac. Abraham didn't go broke. In fact, if you will take the time to read verses 15 to 19 of chapter 22, you will see that God heaped blessings and rewards on top of Abraham because of his sacrifice giving. That's the kind of God we have. You cannot outgive God. You cannot, my friend. You cannot give more that God says, oh no, you've, you've given a whole week's salary. I, I'm broke. I've been, I've been giving out blessings all week. There's nothing left. Oh, you're just going to have to suck this one up, cupcake. And God doesn't do that. He's got infinite resources. And anyone who by faith will give sacrificially to God, God says, you just now wait and see what I'll do for you. And God actually opens the windows of heaven and makes things go well and brings finances into our lives and blesses us in various ways. That's the kind of God we have. Remember, and be careful, we give in order to obligate God to give back to us. Give and it shall be given unto you, good measure pressed down and shaken together and running over shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all shall it be measured to you again. 
Wow, what a wonderful God. Now listen, in just a minute or two, we're going to hold our, our invitation and our offering. And I want you to do this by faith. Like me, I'm doing it by faith. I'm going to, in just a minute, I'm going to call the ushers to come forward in just a minute. And for anyone who wants one but doesn't have one, there's a sacrifice Sunday envelope. And maybe you're here today and you're feeling, boy, I don't know if this is right or wrong. If I give, I mean, maybe I'm going to go broke. I won't be able to make car payments or insurance payments or rent or mortgage or something. I'm scared. Listen, I was the same way, exactly the same way. And what I want you to do then is I want you to fill it out, put your name on there, and write in how much your sacrifice giving is. And then I want you to write the word hold, H-O-L-D. And look up here, you see you got some blank space on this envelope? That's where I want you to write the word hold, H-O-L-D. If you're not sure, write the word hold on there. I mean, if you're confident, if you're sure, if you've done this before, you know that God's going to look after you, don't write the word hold. But if you're not sure, write the word hold. We will hold it for 30 days, for a month. Within a month, for sure, you're going to know. that. In, in less than a month, you're going to know if you need that money. And if you need that money, then you just quietly call the church or come and ask for it, and we'll give it back to you. That's a guarantee. I would far rather do that than somehow you feel you're burned. I would far, far rather do that, and then maybe next year you might be ready. But that's a guarantee that I'll, I'll make based upon God's word. What I've seen God do over the years. Listen, Benny Hinn will never make you that guarantee. You give to him, it's gone to pay for his jet. Or his next multi-million dollar mansion. But if you want to be part of this, but you're scared. You know, just write the word hold on there so we can see it. And we'll do it. We'll hold it for you. And that's not a problem at all. Not a problem. We'll hold it for 30 days. After 30 days, we will assume that God has met your needs and you're just floating. And then we'll go ahead and process it and use it for those, those things that we, we talked about. If you're here and you're saying, I forgot, but I want to be part of it, then you can use the oops card. Some, some people, what they do over the last few years is they put in a week's pay over two or three weeks of time. They're not able to do it all at once. But they say, I think I can do it over two Sundays or three Sundays, something like that. And so they indicate that here on the card. And so you just fill out the card, you put your name on it, and this is the oops card. That's what it's for, because it's human to oops. That's why we have the oops card. But then we, before we give, I want us to do it by faith. And I want to call you to the altar. And I want you to pray, and I want you to ask God, not just to bless it back to you, but to really meet the needs here for the ministry in the church. And I want you to ask God to abundantly bless us. And then let's leave the results with God. We're asking God for $25,000 this year in faith promise. Well, what if we don't get $25,000? Well, if we put it in God's hands, we'll get exactly what he wants us to have. Isn't that right? What if we get more than $25,000? Same thing applies. Because God knows we'll have need of it. And so we want to do it by faith. Ushers, are you ready? Would you come, please? Come down the front, bring the Sacrifice Sunday envelopes, and bring the oops cards.
Now, if, if you need an OOPS card, you don't need uh, an envelope to put it in. The gentleman, if you'd come down quickly, please. And if you need an envelope or an OOPS card, either one, and uh, raise your hand, our ushers will come to you, you tell them which one you want, and our ushers will give to you. So just raise your hand so our ushers can see you, tell them what it is you need, and they'll give it to you. You know, I look forward to this day because I look forward to what God will do for our church and in my life. And this year, as I say, is a very special year for my wife and I. We're launching out further on faith. Now, if George Mueller were here, or one of the other old great men of faith, they'd look at me and they'd say, oh, chicken, why don't you give 90%? 90% of everything. Just keep doing it and see what God does. Well, I'm not quite there yet. I'm giving tithes, I'm supporting missions, and every year I'm giving sacrificially. So did we miss anyone? If we missed you, raise your hand. Oh, here in the sound booth. Did we miss anybody? An envelope or an oops card? And fill that out, would you please? So remember, I said earlier that if, if you came prepared to give, but you put everything into one big check, then on the offering envelope, you want to make sure that you say how much is for tithe, how much is for faith promise, for missions, and how much is for sacrifice Sunday. If you're going to give in one check, that's how you do it. Are we ready to pray? This exciting moment. I can hardly wait to see what God's going to do. I'm very excited. Let's all stand to our feet now, shall we? The Christian life is lived by faith. And that's what we want to do today. We want to give to God by faith. And so, in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to come to the altar on this invitation. Come and get on your knees and pray. Tell God how much you love him. Tell him that you want to give a special sacrifice. Ask him to bless it back to you. And ask him, please, to bless our church. Now, have